A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello there and welcome again to the Irish Examiner Sports Podcast. Lots to get through in the course of the next 30 minutes or thereabouts. We'll be hearing from Tracer Callaghan on the proposed new changes to rules in Camogie and a big meeting of managers and players in Dublin over the weekend. Plus Michael Moynihan will be joining us a little later to talk about the new programme GA Ella, which airs tonight on RT1 television. But first, our uh, first port of call is New York City, where Michael Dorgan is situated at the moment. Uh, Michael is a freelance journalist, and he's also a member of the New York Senior Football Panel, which faces Mayo in the Connacht Senior Football Championship opener on Sunday afternoon. Straight into the hands of Mickey Marr, the athlete goalkeeper, referee sounds the whistle, the free out is going to athlete, quickly taken. Now it's the number 10, Ian Gibbs. Gibbs with the long ball out to the wing. That looks like Connor Higgins. Seamus Smith has been attending Gaelic Park in the Bronx, New York City, for the past 35 years, and every Sunday provides patrons with a unique service of live, open-air running commentary for the day's games. I asked him about this and the changes he has witnessed in Gaelic Park down through the years. Yes, I've been doing the run and commentary here on the games for the past probably nine or ten years. It's something we do every Sunday because, you know, it's not like club teams at home where there's a panel of players and a father played the game and then his son is coming along and playing it. Here the teams differ from year to year. We have new players coming on board. Guy might come out and spend a year here from Ireland or he could be out here working or so as I say for the people that are sitting up in the stands it's great it gives them an idea who the players are and the positions they're playing and if I know the club they're from or whom they've played with at home I usually give them that information so that makes it you know that's what makes it good and I know a lot of people enjoy the commentary here uh, Michael I'm kind of uh, no, by no means a Michal or Hertig, but as I say I know people do enjoy it here and I do enjoy it myself because I enjoy the game and I do enjoy doing the commentary on it well Michael you know when I came here back in the early 80s, I mean, this was a place she came to meet people. I mean, we had an awful lot more teams here at that particular time. The, probably the foot quality of football was a little better because a lot of people had emigrated related to uh, the, you know, the working conditions in Ireland and you know, very little work ba- back there. So they all emigrated out here in the hope of uh, finding, finding work, which a lot of them did in those years as there was you know, a lot of Irish here at that particular time. And uh, they came in droves here in the early 80s. Um, work was plentiful. It was a great place to come to meet people here on a Sunday and a lot of guys met their future wives here at Gaelic Park. It was a great place to come and meet people from home and people from all the different counties here over the, you know, that had come here over the years. And there were a lot of people here, of course, who had come in the 40s and 50s when I came here. And uh, as I say, there was great camaraderie. You didn't have to be from that particular county. You just met up with somebody and they pointed you in the direction of where the work was or who to get in contact with. 
and uh, I suppose th there's been a lot of changes right we're just looking down to the side here and you see that the, the clubhouse has been leveled a lot, a lot of great stories I would, I would imagine well I suppose like everything else Michael there's a lot of history in the building here that was demolished here about a week ago and uh, you know it's been here going back to the early days I guess long before I came here and the dances were here years ago and we had the bar and you know we had uh, the, what they used to call it the casino in the back of the banquet facility where a lot of the clubs had their dinner dances here and as I say again it was a great place to come to meet people and a lot of history in, within the bar and that hall if those walls could only talk but uh, as I say it's sad to see it going a lot of people like myself are you know sad to see the change but at the same time we're moving on and it's great to see a new facility coming here because naturally we have to move with the times that's just the way it is you know and it's with the years you've seen a lot a lot of uh, a lot of high profile players playing gaelic park well i was involved here michael with the donegal football club got involved with them I'm originally from cavan but i got involved with the donegal football club no disrespect to cavan but it was just work related i ended up with donegal for 20 years here back in the day here we had um Larry Tompkins from Kildare who played football with Cork afterwards and was on the 89-90 team that won the All-Ireland. We had uh, Porrick Dunn who was on the Offaly team that stopped Kerry from winning five in a row in 1982. Martin Connolly from Castlehaven. Well, I'm, this is good, Michael, for you. I mentioned all the Cork guys. I know you're an Emo Rangers man yourself. But uh, we had uh, a lot of good players here at that particular time and a lot of players whom had inter-county experience coming from Ireland, which made the football of high quality here and great entertainment for the people here on a Sunday and back in the 80s here the average crowd here on a Sunday was three and a half to four thousand people and then for your final which was played those days in the month of October you could have anything up to six six and a half thousand people something similar to what we had for the championship game last year against Leitrim here the place was packed it brought back a lot of memories I'm sure to people here last year I guess people people make events Michael and it's probably going to be the same next weekend here with all the Mayo fans coming here and I guess the whole complex of the game has changed now the fact that Mayo have won the National League so it puts a whole new meaning to the game next Sunday and whether Mayo had won the National League or not we all know how good the Mayo fans are and I'm sure they would be here anyway but at the same time it's great for the Mayo people for coming here as National League champions. It's great. And we're all very, very happy for them because, I mean, they've had so so much tough luck in recent times. Should have, could have, and, you know, draws and replays. And as I say, great bunch of guys, and they're still there and still rep represent Mayo in a very professional way. You know, we all want to go out, and naturally, I'm a former New York manager myself, and you want to go out and give, put on the best display that you possibly can. And as I say, two years ago here against Roscommon, we, we ran them to a point and probably could have won the game in the dying seconds of the game, missed an open goal. So I think that particular day, Roscommon were kind of happy enough to get out of Gaelic Park and, as I say, New York were unlucky not to have won that day. And last year we probably should have beaten Leitrim, but in the end, I suppose, the result went in favour of the travelling team. But as I say, we've had good days and we've had bad days, but still they were all great days. Kind of unlucky that Mayo are the league champions and they're coming out here with the progress that's been made in the last three or four years. Maybe you'd like to play the likes of Roscommon or a Sligo or a Leitrim again. I suppose, Michael, looking at it from a point of view, like, and everybody talks about what the spread of the game is and how much, how, how strong a team Mayo is. I guess when Roscommon were coming back two years ago there, three, actually, uh, 
actually, actually three three years ago when Roscommon were here, and nobody gave us a chance at all. So that's the reason we play the games. And as I say, the guys have been training here since back in February. Sometimes the conditions are not the greatest, but the players put in a tremendous effort here. And I always say the most important entity we have here at Gaelic Park are the players who put on the jerseys and the football boots and go out and entertain the the people here that pay the admission fee on the gate who are our second most important entity because without them we don't have an association. How important is it for Irish Americans like you who've been here for so long uh, this day in the year, it's the most important day of the year and you've a chance for a lot of Irish people coming here. How important is it for the Irish community here to Oh, I think it's very, very important for the Irish community. And I guess it's always great for people here to come to meet people from their home county. And not necessarily from their home county. There might be people here from the province of Connacht who have friends or family or relations in Mayo. And as I say, especially when you have people like people from Mayo who are so passionate about the game and they bring so much to the park here. I think it's a great day for everyone and it's a win-win situation for the New York GA here. Could you just tell me about the clubhouse and what's going to be going in there? Well, I believe now, Michael, there's a two-storey building there going there with a banquet facility and also dressing rooms and some meeting rooms. Now, that end of it I haven't sat down on. I've seen the proposed plan, but I haven't been at any of the meetings. But I know it will be a very up-to-date facility and I believe as soon as the championship game is over on Sunday next, the work will progress. Could you just give you just a brief discussion about the, the, the county championships here in the summer, the league, the league and championships, the, the kind of standard that you'd see here and the competitiveness of it? There's still great competitive now. We just had a junior game played there about an hour ago here on this field. The next game is a junior B champion. Well, league, it's played on a league basis. Um, the senior championship progresses throughout the summer. It's t- it can be tough here in the summertime due to the fact that the weather is so hot. But at the same time, as I say, there is great competitive football. And uh, players, as I say, players coming for the summer and that, and sanctioned players coming here, they add to the game here. Back years ago, we used to be allowed three weekend sanctioned players from Ireland and I've kind of favoured that myself because you had three county players coming they arrived here on a Thursday they played people found out at the meeting they were sanctioned out of Dublin and they knew there was a player coming from a Cork a player coming from uh, from Dublin and a player coming from maybe Tyrone for talk's sake and when they knew they were coming it put bodies in the stands which was very very important also but as I say the system has changed slightly it's all sanctioned players we get 60 day sanctioned players coming here and also the students coming for the summer Yeah, I suppose the, the great thing is the artificial surface so you can plan ahead and there's no, there's no... Well, the only thing is the weather is not really a factor as such in regard to this field and there is great drainage and this surface was replaced in recent years, I think about two, three years ago, they replaced, they replaced the surface on the field here so that all weather pitch is pretty good in regard to, to drainage, you know. And our thanks to Michael Dorgan in New York for that. Now we're turning our attention to Camogie and Camogie making the headlines for the last number of weeks, not necessarily for the right reasons. Tracer Callaghan is uh, joining us here in our Irish Examiner studios this morning. Uh, Trace, the rules, the regulations, we had this conversation, I think, going back to last year's All-Ireland final, all coming to a head in the last couple of weeks. Um, why so? Because? Yeah, well, I suppose, Colm, it goes back to last year's All-Ireland Senior Camogie final. Um, it wasn't a spectacle that you would have hoped, you know, would have been. 
it's probably the one opportunity that the Camogie Association gets to showcase its game and you know it didn't provide the entertainment that you'd be hoping for um, it's the one day that everybody tunes in the one day that I suppose the GA country as well come along to see it, GA players and you know the feedback afterwards it was more about the refereeing about the high free count the lack of scores from open play and I suppose what you had then on the back of that last Saturday in the Crow Park Hotel, the Camogie Association, and I would commend them for this, they organised a forum um, whereby they invited managers and players um, from all of the counties, Camogie counties, and uh, to come and give their views on, I suppose, where they see the game is probably not going ahead like they would like to see it. And yeah, that's that's where we are at at the moment. Okay, we'll get on to that form in a while. We talk about that All Ireland final, but that's an isolated. That's one match. This has been something that has been steadily coming over the last couple of years, as far as you're concerned. It is. It's it's a combination of things, I suppose. Yes, last year's All Ireland final, the previous year's All Ireland final, ten points to nine. Um, you know, that's that's not what you want when you go up to to Crow Park to to watch an All-Ireland final. You know, you're coming out, and as I said previously, the talk should be about the players. We have players now of exceptional talent. You look at the recently retired Rena Buckley, her achievements. You look at Breach Corkery and what she's continuing to do. You look at the players from Cork and Kilkenny who have been in the All-Ireland finals for the last couple of years. And it's it's very sad that you're coming out and that you cannot be speaking about their ability, their talents and what we should be seeing on the field. Now, you could also argue, though, Trey, that All-Ireland Finals, by their nature, cagey affairs and teams set up very defensively, mm-hmm. strategies, tactics, etc. apply. You would see a lot of camogie across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Is it an issue whether you go to a Munster Club game or a Cork Club Championship game as mm-hmm. it is for the All-Ireland Final? It is, but you know, it depends as well on the officials. Um, some officials, some referees are prepared to let the game flow a little bit more. And of course that enhances the game. Um more apply the rules to the letter of the law and when you're on television on our on a final day obviously they're applied mm-hmm. that little bit tighter but certainly across the board we'll say when nobody no tv cameras are there when you've just a small crowd of matches the stop start nature of the game can be very frustrating um it takes from it you know you refer to hurling matches you look at the Munster Championship last year oh it was just such a joy to watch it was end to end but in Komogi you do not have that and you know as well as we'll say the way the rules are applied it comes down to the actual rules as well Mm -hmm. and many people don't realise the amount of differences that are there between hurling and Komogi okay well give us a little crash course so and the differences (laughs) between the the two sports yeah, well, I suppose the technical fouls are probably the ones that people are not aware of. But if you place a hand on an opposing player's back, you know, that's a free. In hurling, that is no foul. As well, deliberately shouldering an opponent is a foul in Camogie. And it's not in hurling. 
Now, when people come in to watch a camogie match and they see f- referees pulling for these, they cannot understand why. Mm-hmm. And I go along with that now because your average camogie player now has a schedule in the gym as well as their training in the field. They're much stronger than when these rules were made. They can take the hits. And I know people will be listening and will say, does that sound good? Does it sound dangerous? But I'm talking about minimum force. Like if you just collide with somebody now, a referee can give a foul. And that doesn't make for good mm-hmm. viewing. I, I, I kind of detect a bit of anguish in your voice when you're talking about this, Trace? Well, I suppose, you know, I, I, I do feel very strongly about it. The fact that Komogi now is it, it portrayed like as this game that's not being attractive and that there's a fallout from and there isn't a lot of positivity around it at the moment. It's a fantastic game. And when it's played and let flow, there isn't a game like it, in my view, for ladies. And um, I think with a few tweaks here and there, you know, we mm. can make it attractive to watch again. And the fact, and we'll talk about it shortly, that this forum was held on Saturday and that the managers and players were very eager and optimistic about it and did go to it. And there was a lot discussed at it, you know, has to be a positive step. I suppose the other issue we must mention as well is ladies football and how that has grown in the last 10 years. Obviously, television coverage, Cork's dominance and huge skill levels as well. And that's probably pushing Camogie Mm -hmm. farther into a darker place as well. It is because the ladies football game tends to, I suppose, the pick up and, you know, allows for a faster game. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is attractive to watch. So certainly is, but you get to see a lot more ladies football games as well. So you can generalise, um, which is not the position with Camogie. Um, people tend to see two or three matches every year and they can draw their conclusions from them. And when matches are on television and when people are watching, referees tend to apply the rules mm-hmm. to the letter of the law. What about the point if there is more physicality allowed into the game that you know, mommies and daddies and their little Janes or Janets or Trays is at six or seven and they're a bit worried about them getting into this. Yeah, well, I think referees, you know, always apply common sense across the board. And the first thing when you start playing at an underage level, the first skills you're taught is how to protect yourself. And, you know, I, I don't think it would be an issue at underage games. And like the girls at that age are not as strong, you know. I mean, it's it's at the we're talking about the elite and the senior level mm-hmm. here at the highest level possible, where the girls are strong, they're physical, and they they want themselves to be. I mean, they've expressed this themselves. They want to be able to take you know this bit of pressure and take a little bit of a hit and move on like it is in hurling. But at underage level, I can't see it as a problem because I think, number one, you know, they, they will be showed how to protect themselves and it, it won't be an issue at that age. OK, Camogie has, the Camogie Association has been criticised in the past, of course. We had the infamous coin toss saga mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. We've had this debate over rules. I suppose credit where it's due, mm-hmm. they have listened they mm-hmm. have heard the voices as you said of mm-hmm. players and managers mm-hmm. and they had this forum on saturday what was the feedback from it yeah and i think it's important um you know to make that point that they are listening and as well with the appointment of the new ceo sinead mcnulty who was appointed earlier uh, this month and she'll take up her position in june i think this is very timely so what happened on on the on saturday 
where I suppose the key issues that were discussed were the playing rules, um, uh, the allowance maybe for greater physicality in the game. I suppose you know as well there was a lot of support to tweak you know, this rule for greater contact. And you're talking about players and managers. I mean, that's that's who was there. So that's coming really from the horse's mouth. Um, the hand pass goal is, is another probably... <laughs> um, I think it's a bit, you know, antiquated at this mm-hmm. stage. I certainly wouldn't like to be a goalkeeper and somebody coming in on me one-on-one because you have very little chance, really, of stopping that goal. So that, that was a, another... Um, another issue that was discussed and I suppose um, something else which comes to the the uniform, the skirts versus the shorts was something else that was discussed but I believe so um, the feedback from that was that the girls are in favour of retaining the skirts. Are you surprised by that? Something that, you know, amazingly, especially I think amongst the male population is always a huge topic of conversation. When you were playing Look, I think there's a little bit of identity um, attached with mm-hmm. skirts and camogie. To be honest, Colm, it's way down in my picking order <laughs> what they wear, you know. What happens, though, next now from, from this trace? Like, it's, it's one thing to have your meeting and your talking shop and your forum and all these great ideas, but as we've seen time and time again... It goes into some report and it's gathering dust inside yeah. the file. Is is there an appetite, do you think, for, for change, real change? Yeah, well, I think the fact that, first of all, that they publicised uh, that this forum was taking place. You know, they could have mm-hmm. kept it in-house um, straight away. You know, there has to be, when you ask a question, the answer has to follow on. So, look... While what we discussed there is obviously not binding, but it was agreed at, at the forum that the next steps would be to take everything on board and to assess the feedback in the next few weeks, and then they'll make a further decision after that. Okay, in terms of a further dis- decision mm. for playing rules and stuff like that, do you think it would have to go to some sort of a special congress or an emergency congress, or can it be enacted by a playing rules committee or... Do you know? I don't have the actual answer to that, but what I do know, Colm, is something needs to be done before the All-Ireland final this year, the All-Ireland finals. Um, You know, we cannot afford, Camogie cannot afford for the crowd to fall off um, for for the All-Ireland finals. And the way, you know, people are talking, you know, they're, they're not happy with what they've seen in the last few years. Something needs to be done with the rules ahead of the All-Ireland Finals. The crowd has been creeping up again, you know, 20,000. You know, you you want to push that again to 25,000 this year. You don't want it going back to 15,000. And you want people to go on the assurance that they will be served up some sort of a spectacle, a free-flowing game, where the rules will be relaxed a little bit. Look, you can relax rules. You don't need Mm -hmm. a special meeting to tell referees. At the same time, health and safety, you know, is is paramount. You apply common sense. But what we want to see in all our games this year, not just the All-Ireland Finals, the All-Ireland Championship is kicking off, you know, very shortly. We want to see games that people want to go in and watch. And furthermore, that they come back out and are talking about them the next day. Okay. Final question, Trace. Cork and Kilkenny, the two dominant forces in the last couple of years in Camogie in the championship anyway 
who's who's leading the chasing pack are we going to mm-hmm. see someone in we are, 2019 yeah. yeah i'm very pr- impressed with galway this year um they they recently won the national league title um they seem to have their house in order very good management team uh, there's no question that they don't have the players. They've had great underage success down the years, which is coming to fruition now. Maybe just in-house things weren't going according to plan for them. But the belief is, and I hear it from Cork, and I hear it from Kilkenny, that Galway are a team that are going to be reckoned with this year. Now, they haven't delivered in championship, but as I said, there's new management in the players they really want you know they really want to make an impact this year I would think as well Tipperary they won the Division 2 league final um, probably would have been disappointed not to have got to the All-Ireland minor Camogie final they had they had a very good team but they were beaten on the day by a better Clare team and of course Cork won that final again on, on, on Saturday, Saturday. Right. but I, I would think that Galway certainly and, and then maybe Tipperary it would be great to see new blood as well and and, and just mention of the, the minor there Trace I was looking at some of the results from the weekend and I saw the likes of Tyrone and Kerry contesting an yes. All-Ireland minor obviously a yes. B and C yes. grade but great to see the growth of the game in counties you wouldn't traditionally have yes and you know Colm they've been growing all the time but you know, we don't get the opportunity to talk about those counties like Kerry doing an amazing work, um, you know, with, with very few club teams down there. Likewise in Tyrone. But the people running these counties are every bit as enthusiastic as the Cork and Kilkenny's. OK, now a uh, very interesting programme on RT1 tonight, 8.30pm. Uh, make sure you're at home or have the Skybox set to record. Ga Ella. Uh, presented by Dara Kaneda, no stranger to us here in the Irish Examiner, and a key man in the production is our very own Michael Moynihan. Michael, explain to me, Gaela, in 60 words or less. Basically, it's an explanation or an exploration of the GA at the moment and who owns it and who's driving it. It's not so much focused on um, matches and games and players, even though there is obviously a bit of that. Taking kind of the helicopter view of where the G is and where it's going, and it's an Irish. Okay, so let's uh, start off with the entire issue of sponsorship in the GA has changed incredibly over the last, fair to say, 20, 25 years? Yeah, I suppose we might have early 90s, mid 90s when sponsorship rolled out. So, one of the things we were keen to touch on, which we had grazed upon a little bit with GA Nua last year was how it had changed. So it ranges from, as people know, the local pub which sponsors the junior team's jerseys to multinationals. And we were lucky enough to meet the um, head of AIG to have a chat to him. He's a GA guy. His name escapes me. He's from Tipperary. But he was very good value explaining the the thinking behind AIG, which obviously has an international presence and sponsors the All Blacks and so on, and why they were getting involved in the Dublin footballers. And it's... I suppose it's an endorsement of what the GA does because it can attract high-level sponsors, but it's also a warning because obviously there isn't an AIG in every county to sponsor every county team. But does it take having somebody in AIG who has a GA background to get that deal in motion? Well, because he's probably GA conversant, he doesn't have to be convinced, but... I mean, I think what people will take away from the series is that these decisions are very hard-nosed and 
sentiment really doesn't come into it. If it was worth 50 cents more for the for AIG or anybody else to sponsor a tiddlywinks team, they'd be gone in a second. There is a convergence, obviously, of Dublin being so successful. It's a huge market. They're based there. All of these things and all this great business talk, like synergies, etc., coming into play. But it is very hard-nosed, and that's, I think, something people will take away from the series, that it isn't solely for the love of the game or furthering the game. It's a, it's a business decision. Did you touch on the thorny issue of alcohol sponsorship? Because back to what you said in the in the 90s, Guinness, of course, I suppose, revolutionised how we, we looked at the GA in terms of how it was sold to the general public. Yeah, and I suppose you go back another 20 years, you're talking about cigarette sponsorship for the All-Stars and this kind of stuff. So we didn't, we didn't tread in the minefield of ethical sponsorship because... I think once you start doing that, you're really on a hiding to nothing because there's a case could be made against any large organisation sponsoring sport, whether that's the banks, insurance companies, <clears throat> any any from this producing anything, people can raise an ethical objection. So that's that's part of the overall picture. Mm. What's acceptable, obviously, in terms of sponsorship and some products, some companies aren't acceptable, but, um, you know, it was to, how would you say, to see how that has an impact on the GA itself, the values that we associate with the GA. And we had that play on words that there's a value to the GA, but there are also the GA's values which drive that value. So it becomes a very tricky balancing act for the GA. Yeah, and, and just we'll say on that point, unlike other sports, Michael, you know, the GA, amateur, volunteers, etc., versus, as you said, the hard-nosed business, corporate, top echelon, blue-chip companies. Yeah, I mean, we had a great, a striking moment um, in Parky Keeve. We were filming, and I pointed out that, you know, around the stadium you have, you know, the banks, which do a lot of good, but are also profit-driven entities, which, you know, aren't very sentimental if you can't pay your mortgage. So the point we were making was that here you have these companies which want to be associated with a very inclusive, diverse, uh, welcoming, voluntary, amateur-driven organisation, and sometimes those two targets don't exactly align so our question to a couple of key people was how can this be reconciled how can you have something that is being sponsored because it's inclusive and community driven and yet the sponsors can often be quite at odds with those targets okay final question an easy one who owns the ga now in 2019 See, I think everybody owns the J, but if everybody owns the J, nobody owns the J. I, I actually just think, I'm not sure if we use this, I just think it's a really precarious balancing act, which is always in danger of being blown out of kilter, where everybody thinks they own the J. They don't, obviously. But so long as they think they do, the J can sail on for another while regardless. Show airs tonight, 8.30pm, three episodes? It's four episodes four. because last year GNO was the most successful Irish language show ever shown on RT. So they were very keen for follow-up. I'm not sure if there'll be a third series, but um, yeah, it's very good. As you said, Dara's excellent, as he always is. Pat Comer directed it, and Pat would be known to people. He did the, um, the Sean Oak documentary. He did that great documentary with the Galway footballers 20 years ago, year 21 Sunday, years ago. Wasn't it? Yeah, so, you know, the the team is good and the lads really put their heart and soul into it. It'll, it'll be well worth watching. And that's all for this week's podcast. Thanks indeed to all our guests, to Michael Dorgan in New York, Tracer Callaghan and Michael Moynihan for joining us here in our Irish Examiner studios. Thanks also to Larry Ryan, who edits and produces this podcast each and every week. To
to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Examiner Sport. And don't forget to leave a rating and a review. We always welcome your feedback. You can listen on SoundCloud and Stitcher and on YouTube. Or find us on Twitter, Facebook or at irishexaminer.com forward slash podcast. We're back next week and uh, things starting to hot up as the All-Ireland Championship Series gets underway. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.